Now, submission, submission is an issue in today's culture. The woman power craze is all over the place. Feminism is at new heights. Women have just been portrayed in movies as having to save themselves from this point forward. It will probably be more of the same, but why is that? It's because the real men are gone, and they've been replaced by toxic pretenders that pretend and that take power into their own hands and then abuse it. Submission is an issue because authority has been abused. Submission is an issue because we have a bunch of boys pretending to be men, and then those pretend men get in relationships with women that they're supposed to lead, and they are not able to lead because they don't have the tools relationally, emotionally, certainly not spiritually, to lead the women that God has placed them with. And so what happens is those two people fall in love, and then the family starts to grow. And as the family starts to grow, those boys that didn't have the tools to be men to lead their wives remain boys that now have kids to raise, that lead their wives, that leave their wives to be single mothers. And there's no submission taking place in the household because there's no leader to submit to. There's just another child, just another mouth to feed. Yeah, I think authority, authority gets messed up too. Because as men that were once boys, we have authority and that comes with responsibility. But what I think is a bunch of boys pretending to be men who have taken the fig leaves and we have covered ourselves up and we have started posing as so much more instead of pretending and following and striving to be like Jesus. Instead, we've gone for another idea of masculinity and that is that I'm going to conquer. I'm going to be King Caesar. I'm going to be emperor of my family. And so we run around and we play the emperor. We play the conqueror. We play the one that demands submission because that's my right and I deserve it. When instead, we haven't followed the example of Jesus. So we're running around acting like conquerors when what we need to be doing is say no to Caesar and say yes to Jesus and run around and be servants to our families. Authority is the right to serve. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26, this is to all the husbands in the house. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word men. Third point today, I will love my woman. I will love my woman. Why will you love your woman? Because God designed women to need love. Just like there is nowhere in the Bible where it says men or wives love your husbands, there are so many places in the Bible where God commands husbands to love their wives. As you were designed for respect, and as you long and desire and crave respect, your woman, your wife, longs for and desires and awaits for you to love her. So how do I love my wife? By demonstrating it with your actions. 
And what Paul is talking about here in the Greek is this agape love. This isn't eros love. This isn't an erotic love. No, that lust, that all took place when you first met each other, okay? And I hope there's still a spark in your marriage. This isn't phileo love. This isn't brotherly love. This is not referring to any roommate situation or agreement within your home. What this is talking about is agape love. And agape love is unconditional. That means it doesn't matter if it's just a good day. It doesn't matter if your wife's just wearing that one outfit. It doesn't matter if she did X, Y, Z around the house. It doesn't matter how well she has done with the kids. None of that matters because agape love has no conditions, no terms in which are limiting the love in which you express to your wife. That means even if she makes her biggest mistake, that you will still love her. It means even if it's the greatest day that your love for her will not change, you will continue to love her. And this isn't just something that you say. You can say, I love you, baby. I I love you. I love you so much. I love when you do that. I love this. I love that. It doesn't matter. Because agape love isn't love that is just verbal. Agape love is love that is demonstrated. It is something that is shown. So men, let's show our wives that we love them. Let's show them how special they are to us. Let's do so by studying our wives. Study your wife. What makes your wife feel loved? There are seven different love languages, and I'm sure there's actually 32,000 of them, but there are seven main ones in which people feel loved. I don't have them all memorized, but I can tell you exactly what Rachel's are because I'm not a fool in my marriage. How Can I best love my wife? Is it in quality time? Is it encouragement? Is it an acts of service? What can I do to make her heart happy? And then spend your time pouring into those things. For some of you, it will be words of affirmation. It will be encouragement. For others of you, it will be taking the trash out. I know one thing we don't like to do, or at least isn't desired to do in our house is Rachel doesn't like to wake up and make the bed. And so I see that as an opportunity. I'm going to wake up. And as soon as everybody's out of that thing, I'm going to run into the master bedroom. I'm going to make that. And that's done. We don't have to worry about that the rest of the day. I know there's an expectation on me as the man of the house to take the trash out because it's icky. All right. And we don't want to get all the ickiness on us. And so as the man, I take the trash out. There are things I can do in our home because I've studied my wife and I know what makes her feel loved that I can do to make her feel even more loved if I continue to do them. So study your wife. She is a daughter of the king and she has been entrusted to you. How special and precious of a thing that is. Don't take that for granted. Study her, pursue her heart. Continue to date her. Your wife is not a trophy that you put on a wall. She is not something that you bagged and tagged, and now it's over. You don't have to pursue her heart anymore. No, pursuit does not stop at I do. Pursuit continues from that moment onward. And so I would ask you, does your pursuit match the pursuit of Jesus when it comes to her heart? Again, there are good days and there are bad days. And if you love unconditional and Jesus can pursue even her greatest mistake and turn it into something that will advance the gospel and display the kingdom in her life, would you be able to say that your love as her husband is able to do the same thing? That's what we're called to do. Pursue her heart. Don't stop dating your wife. 
Give her adventure. Sweep her up into the bigger story of what God is doing at work in your family and pursue her mind. Paul says, wash her with the water of the word. Men, this means that you lead your wife in God's word. This means that you use the word of God and the promise and the truth that is within it to wash away the lies that the world hurls at her all day long. There are so many expectations set on your wife. As wife, as whatever she does throughout the day, whether she works, whether she stays at home, as mom, there are so many expectations. There are so many lies that fly at her all day long. Use the word of God to dispel that nonsense and then use the word of God to build her up and encourage her. Help her see the incredible, beautiful daughter that she is. This also means that you better be in the word yourself. If you're going to wash your wife with the word of God, that means that you need to be spending time in deep waters. You need to get deep water certified so that you can take that water to other people. It also means that you will love her sacrificially. And here's the example. For me to love my wife sacrificially means that I will love her as Jesus has loved the church. And how did Jesus love the church? He gave everything. He gave everything in sacrifice for the church. And so, men, Jesus is our example. Your wife would say, yeah, I wouldn't have any problem submitting to my husband if he was Jesus. Well, guess what? You're supposed to be Jesus. So that excuse, that reason is null and void. You are Jesus in your home. And you might say, but I have authority. I have authority and she should submit to me. Well, I would say, let's look at Jesus again. What did Jesus do with the authority that he had? He laid it down, every ounce of it, and it's a greater act of love. So yes, you have authority, and you've been called to live and be Jesus in your house, and so with the authority that you have, lay it down to love and serve your wife. Ephesians 5, the first part of that, however, let each of you love his wife as himself. Now Paul is referring to the more inward focus here. He knows that we would never do anything to harm ourselves. There's never anything we would do unjust towards ourselves. He knows that as men, we tend to look after ourselves. And so just as you love yourself, love your wife. And I would say take it from the flesh to the spiritual and love her even more than you would love yourself. And the result of love as we see here, the result of love is that you become Jesus to your wife. That's a big expectation. Don't forget, you got the power that rose from the grave living inside of you in the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in this. You become Jesus to your wife, that she would become more like Jesus. So based off of your love in your home, is your wife becoming more like Jesus? Is she becoming more holy? more set apart in service to God? That's a good test. I think we see as men, as we lead, and we become Jesus to our families, to our households, 
to our wives. As our wives become more like Jesus, we set the example of a Jesus-filled marriage, and then as children are introduced into that, now this gives us the opportunity to create little Jesuses, little Christians, to go out into the world to create the number one disciples that you will ever have in your life, little homing missiles for Jesus to use for the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, we close out with this. All my kiddos in the house say, yeah! Yeah. Man, a lot of girls in this church. (laughs) A little bit louder. All my kiddos in the house say, oh yeah! yeah. I think we had some adults acting like kids over here. I'm not sure. It started deep, but then it went higher. I'm not sure. To the children and the parents, Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And all the parents in the house said? Amen. (laughs) And amen. All right, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord All the kids in the house, let's write this down when we grow up. Let's not get tattoos about it, okay? But let's write this somewhere where we will remember always and forever our fourth and final point this morning. I will obey my parents. All right, Brooklyn Kinsey, I'll wait. I need need to know y'all got that. I will obey my parents. Why? Every kid asks that question, right? Why? Because I said, no, Why? Because God said, okay, (laughs) I will obey my parents because it is right. Not because you feel like it, not because you want to, not because they're right necessarily all the time, but because it is right, as Paul writes here. And I will do what is right. I'm living and going after a righteous life. I will do what is right. And I will live longer because of it. One of the only commandments with the promise there. Kids, you want to live a long time? You do everything your mom and dad say, all right? What it doesn't say is the kids that didn't live a long time is because they said no, okay? It's okay, you can laugh, (laughs) okay? It also says, again, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. So dads, I know how easy it is to fly off the handle. I know how easy it is to become impatient. Paul is saying, don't be overly harsh to your children. Don't set unrealistic expectations for your children. And fathers, please, do not try to live your life through theirs. Paul's saying, don't do this. And instead of doing this now, do this. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know what sounds like an awesome reason for your kids to do and obey as you say? Because you have their best interest at heart. And having the best interest of your child at heart means that you have your child's eternity as your sole purpose and consideration of the leadership in which you lead your home. So dad's in the house. We're almost done, I promise. Do your kids know that your greatest expectation of them is that they would one day grow up to follow Jesus and have a vibrant, passionate, head over heels in love with relationship with their King and Savior? 
if your kids do not know that that is your utmost desire and expectation for their life, then you may be failing them. We want our kids to know that we want them to fall in love with Jesus. We want to create little Jesuses in the world. So bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You want to know a really good way to do that, dads? Do that yourself. Don't just talk about it. Man, let's be about it. Let's sit down. Let's open our Bibles. Let's let our kids see us reading God's Word. Let us pray. Maybe it's before meals. That's a good start. Maybe it's on your knees beside your bed. Maybe it is because something has taken place at school and your kids are feeling hurt and broken from it. Let's let our love for Jesus in our lives as the leaders of the home be infectious. Let's let that set the standard for what normal is. Let's instruct our kids in the way of the Lord, how to read, how to pray, how to fast, how to study God's word, how to worship, how to serve. That's why we do things like full family worship. I want your kids to see you worshiping Jesus. I want your kids to not just distract you here in service, but for you to be able to instruct them on, hey, here's how we do church, and at this time we're, we're reading God's word, and here's where we can find the scripture in the Bible, and here's what it means, and I promise he, he will be quiet eventually. He will not talk forever, and then we're going to get to worship Jesus again, and then we're going to get to pray. You set the standard for your kids. Your kids are inundated by influence all day long. They have TikTok videos and YouTube shorts and Instagram reels. Second after second after second in their lives are surrounded by the teaching of the school, the teaching of screens, everything you allow to influence them. Spend time with them in the word of God. Spend time instructing them in the ways of the Lord and develop and raise little versions of Jesus that are madly in love with him and that are going after eternity for the sake of your family and the sake of others alongside you. Church, families, as we grow closer to Jesus, our families become healthier, yes, physically, yes, emotionally, but most importantly, spiritually. As we grow in Jesus, in spiritual health, in our families, it will play out in the body of believers known as the church. If you want to be all in for the church, you got to first be all in for Jesus. And after you're all in for Jesus, you take care of your first ministry, which is your home. You take care of that, and then you show up to church with that, and you see how God uses that. And then as the church is filled with healthy families that aren't just being hypocritical about it, but that are actually taking it serious, and as they go out into the community, as they go out into their domains, into their workplaces, let's see how God uses you there. But let's not forget that it starts in the home. We love Jesus at home. We love Jesus at church. We love Jesus in our community. We love Jesus at work. We love Jesus at school. We love Jesus all day, even when we play. Amen. Let's pray.